This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch. And I'm Zareen Siddiqui. Today, we're taking a trip to Maui, metaphorically speaking, unfortunately. But, you know, if, if you want, you probably could go there in real life. And for $9,000 a night, you can hang out at the Four Seasons in Maui. Now, I feel like you're just reminding me that I had a trip to Hawaii booked right at the beginning of COVID that I never got to go on. Oh, my God. RIP to that trip. But you know what? After watching The White Lotus, maybe I don't really want to go to Hawaii anymore. <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, to clarify, today's episode is all about the White Lotus. But before we get into that, Becky, what's your not over it? My not over it is just the fact that I am excited. You know, it's a time of year where we all get excited about fall TV. Just kidding. No one knows what seasons are anymore and no one knows when shows are coming back. But after a year where a lot of shows were shut down for the pandemic, it does feel a little bit like we're starting to pick up with some new stuff. And I was really excited by the teaser for American Crime Story Impeachment, which is yet another Ryan Murphy joint. You know, I'm a little bit tired of Ryan Murphy in general, but this series is consistently strong. Uh, The O.J. Simpson version was really good. And based on this teaser, I was excited to see Beanie Feldstein step into the role as Monica Lewinsky. This entire series is going to be about the impeachment of Bill Clinton, who is going to be played by Clive Owen. Like, the casting that's... is, yes, the casting is so weird, but I am so intrigued by it. Beanie alone, I would watch this for just to watch what she's going to be like as Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be great. It premieres September 7th. I'm excited. That's my not over it. And what is yours? Well, this is not something that I'm incredibly excited about, but my not over it this week. Um, I recently discovered that there is a new Home Alone movie coming out. Um, which is going to be no. on Disney Plus. I know it's going to start Kenan Thompson and Ellie Kemper. And I just, after experiencing Space Jam 2 LeBron James, with LeBron James, I just, I can't take it anymore. And I, I just want it to end. I don't know who asked for this and why we need it, but it's a coming um, on Disney Plus on November 12th. And it's going to be called Home Sweet Home Alone. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope, nope. I hate everything about this. I don't need more Home Alones. You can already watch Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which are the only two Home Alones that I recognize in the Home Alone canon, even though I know they made more because... Yeah, we, we don't recognize any of those. If it's not Macaulay Culkin, I don't want it. Kevin! And at this point, just make something new. Make a I new know, movie. It's, it's so hard. I don't understand why they keep coming for us in our childhood and ruining everything. But... No, also... I mean, we could spend hours talking about how Home Alone could barely have happened in the 90s when it came out. 
But in the age of technology, home alone could never happen now. No, there's no such thing as being alone in 2021. No, you're never I mean, alone. You're no, alone, you're never alone. The government has tabs on you everywhere you go. Find My Friends eliminates Home Alone right there. It's like, we got a tracker <laughs> on you, you know, like a better movie would be a movie about someone who is trying to go missing. Like, show that's, me the movie where the kid successfully goes missing. Instead of, it, instead of it being called Taken, it's like, I'm taking myself away. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Well, speaking of holidays, let's go to, let's go on the Hawaiian holiday. Now we're going to play that music. Yes. Yes. Well, for the folks who don't know what The White Lotus is, it's a six-episode miniseries that someone has definitely told you to watch recently. It is on HBO. Um, It premiered July 11th. And just to note, we recorded this episode prior to the finale. How do I explain what this is about? It's great. It's a great question. Uh, The series was created by Mike White, who also created Enlightened and School of Rock, which doesn't really explain what it's about, but... It's, I would call it a snapshot of a week at a resort in Hawaii, more specifically, as you said, the Four Seasons, so a very expensive resort. Um, And the various overly privileged guests who are staying there, uh, predominantly white, overly privileged guests. Um, And while they are there, it's about how they're interacting with each other and also how they are affecting the resort staff and what it's like for the people behind the scenes. And as they say, hijinks ensue yes and unlike most shows i'm used to or i feel like most of us are used to we have to wait for a new episode week after week like some kind of peasant from the 1960s and i like my shows either because i can watch them all in one sitting or because they can they give me an episode every single night love island and it completely fries my brain there is no in between of how i like to consume my tv so this has been like a welcome back to here's how regular people watch tv well, you know, you could have just waited two years to watch it like you did for Succession, and then you could have watched it all at once. No, yeah, and, and I people, regret that. You're going for a rude awakening when Succession comes back on because you're going to have to watch that weekly. I know, I hate that for me. I like it, especially for a show like this. Um, you know, one of my friends started watching it and was telling me, I mean, she was specifically like, and this woman gives birth in the premiere. And I was like, ew, is that a show I I <laughs> want to watch? I was admittedly, I kept getting it confused with Nine Perfect Strangers, which is also a show about a bunch of people who are staying at a resort that is coming out on Hulu. But, um, but my point is, once I started watching it, it was the kind of show where each episode, it's not very heavily plot driven. There's not insane things happening every week, but there are so many great moments of tension, of awkward conversation, of blatant classism. And after each week, I was getting texts from friends asking me if I watched last night's episode of White Lotus. And it was always like, which part of it are you referring to? Like, did you see this? Like, this made me uncomfortable. Like, this was that. So because of that, I like the weekly break in between episodes. You get a minute to digest. But let's talk a little bit about the cast of the show. Yes, the casting of the show is impeccable. Um, you know, there's, a, like you said, it, it follows a, d- a group of people, but none of, a lot of those people are not connected with each other. So Connie Britton and Steve Zahn play a very wealthy couple that are going through their own sort of like trials and tribulations with their fam- and their family vacation. They're traveling with their teenage daughter, who's played by uh, Sydney Sweeney, who's in, also in Euphoria. And then we have Jake Lacey and Alexandra Didario, who are playing um, a couple that's on their honeymoon 
and my personal favorite, Jennifer Coolidge, who is there to spread the ashes of her mother and having a really hard time in general with life. Um, a little note about that is that she almost turned down this role because she wasn't in like a great headspace when it was offered to her. Obviously, this was filmed during, you know, the thick of the pandemic and the way that they were able to film it is because they basically had this huge resort to themselves in Hawaii. So it made filming easier. But, you know, once you start watching the show, the idea that Jennifer Coolidge is not in the show will it would have just been so disappointing. And also, you know, Natasha Rothwell from Insecure is absolutely amazing. So the casting in the show is very eclectic. It's a, it's a, you know, a kooky like clan of folks that no, nobody's really connected, but then you're kind of following their journey about, you know, their own little mini issues and whatever's going on. And to your point, when each episode happens and someone's like, did you watch? You're like, which part? Because literally something happens with all of them in every episode. So Well, and no one arguably is, well, I mean, Jennifer Coolidge's character is pretty cookie, but Murray Bartlett, who plays the manager of the yes. entire <laughs> resort, is involved in many of the moments that I find myself still thinking about the next morning and are definitely going for shock value. Yes. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we will actually dive into a little bit more about these characters and their actual storylines. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I think one of the biggest appeals of this show is that we love a show where we can love to hate the characters. Yes. We love a hateable, watchable group. It's why we love Succession. And I think Jake Lacey's character, Shane, is definitely at the top of this list for me and I think for many people because yes. he is so punchable. In this he really, role. Yes, he is. He's very, very punchable. That's right. He's like it. this rich, privileged frat boy who's on his honeymoon. And he's not over the top obnoxious, but he's just obnoxious enough. I guess I'm just wondering what um, you might be able to do for us to make us feel better. No, I was actually trying to not be an asshole. That you failed? That it's annoying and it's annoying his wife, played by Alexandra Daddario, and I loved him in High Fidelity and I loved him in Obvious Child. And usually you see him playing this sort of cute, like affable everyman boyfriend, but I kind of like to see him be someone terrible. No, it's nice. Also his energy, his character in this show is very much like that. You know, when you're sitting in a room and there is a fly and you're just kind of like trying to swat it away, like that's sort of the energy that he has where it's like slowly drives you crazy. And that is what I feel like he does that's how i feel watching him where i'm like every episode i'm just like oh my god this idiot. right well and it's the zero self-awareness which is pretty 
pretty across the board for many of the characters are not very self-aware. No, yeah. Um, speaking of, I think Connie Britton, A, I just love having Tammy Taylor back in my life. Shout out to Friday Night Lights. But um, she's just so brilliant in the show and she really encompasses like that, that like kind of cringy hashtag boss woman character that's in touch, but mostly out of touch with the plights of like a regular person. I'm on vacation. I'm trying to unwind <laughs> from the stress that is my life. And I find her character interacting with her husband, who's played by Steve Don, Steve Zahn, sorry. And I know he's been in almost everything on TV, but I forever love him as Marvin on Daddy Daycare. And so I feel like in this show, he's his energy, his character's energy is weirdly still giving me Marvin from Daddy Daycare. I'm your daddy. <laughs> I'm not your daddy. He's so awkward and his demeanor, it, it, it's really like it takes every muscle in his body to get out a thought. And he has just found out some, you know, news about his father. So he's kind of coming to terms with that. And the, their interactions with each other are obviously like just a rich couple that doesn't really talk. It's funny because my Steve's on touchstone role is from that thing you do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good That's when I think about Steve's on. That, that's... That's what I think about Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Here's the thing. We're not the wonders right now. We're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Um, I know we talked about Jennifer Coolidge, but we have to mention her again. Like, I truly can't imagine this show without her. Every scene she's in, she is just perfect and is on, has me on edge, like, has me getting so many laughs. She forms this friendship with, Belinda, played by Natasha Rothwell, who is one of the women who works at the resort. And every interaction just makes me want to crawl into a hole. Yes. She's like blubbering on the deck of a ship. She's like, everything about it is just perfectly uncomfortable. Now watching like, how you watch scary movies. We were like kind of looking, but you're not really like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. You're just like, oh, she, yeah, no, I mean, I think I talked about this in the podcast last time, but she's just like, mama. Goodbye, mother. Um, and I also, I hadn't seen Brittany O'Grady in anything before. She plays Paula on the show, who is a teenage friend of the daughter of Connie Britton and Steve Zahn. And she, there's something unassuming and really magnetic about her. And she sort of plays the role of the observer. She's sort of caught between these two worlds because she's not really part of this rich, right. privileged family, but she has some privilege, but she also isn't white and she ends up forming a relationship with one of the men who works at the resort. So she is sort of caught between the two, uh, you know, worlds that are at play here. And I find her really, you know, she's very beautiful, but really just interesting to watch and is the closest thing we have to like how we feel when yes. we're watching the show, I would say. Yeah. I also find her friendship with Sydney Sweeney's character just so strange and like weird because it's their best friends but it's like they don't talk to each other about it seems like anything it's very surface level and I also just love the way that Gen Z is like portrayed on like every tv show that's is on HBO because it's just so bizarre to me and I'm always just like is this how Gen Z really is <laughs> when they go on vacation like they always it's just there's something so like I don't know 
always like so mysterious and dark about the way that they interact. I think when you're talking about their friendship and the complexities of it, I think that also speaks for a lot of the interaction and relationships between everyone on this show is that there are all these different layers where because you're only seeing them for this one week and there's no background information, you're sort of learning the backstory and also what makes them tick, but that also leaves an element of new surprises every single week, like the manager and the guy that he works for. In one of the episodes, he's like propositioning him and you're expecting it to go one way and then it goes in a completely different direction. Oh, yes. And I think that's part, also part of the reason why I love the show is that it really keeps you on your toes in terms of you don't necessarily know what these characters are going to do next because we don't really know them. No, we don't. And the awkward situations that they're put in are it really feels like everything's happening in real time. And one of my one of my favorite things about this show is it sort of reminds me of the leftovers in the way that when I watch the show, I'm incredibly uncomfortable and I don't know why. And you know, the where they're filming the show, I feel like Hawaii itself is like as cheesy as it sounds, it does feel like a character. It's like, you know, they're in this beautiful backdrop, but it's a yet a very dark show somehow and like the music just the amount of anxiety the music causes when (laughs) anytime they're just staring at each other as this very intense like soap opera feel to it and it kind of just like keeps you on the edge of your seat but there's never there's never anything that intense happening per se like to your you know regular like plot holes or whatever you're kind of just like waiting for something but you don't even know what it is because we have no idea now I'm just waiting for some of them to get raptured. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> now I'm just imagining if it was the leftovers, who would be taken? Um, well, I think something else that really adds to the layer of tension is the fact that at the very beginning of the show, they tell you that someone was killed at the resort. So you're watching this whole show and then it sort of like rewinds back a week. So you're watching it all through the lens of knowing that someone is going to die. And I think that for me, when I'm watching it, makes me second guess scenes that I normally would never think about before where the father and son are learning how to scuba dive. I'm like, well, one of them is gonna die scuba diving. Well, (laughs) someone's gonna fall off this boat. Oh, this guy found a bag of drugs. He's definitely gonna OD and die. Like this woman is forming a friendship with her. It's gonna become like a single white female situation and she's gonna become obsessed with her and then try to kill her. So that, Combined with the music, which they definitely use as a very clear device when something awkward is happening. It's almost like on top of that, it's like, if you don't already feel awkward, now we're telling you that something uncomfortable is happening. And when it's usually just played over the characters, like staring at each other after someone says something problematic. Yes. That's so interesting because I feel like I have the opposite effect of where I have consistently every episode just forgot about the dead body. And then I'm like reminded when we talk about it and I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Someone's like dead at the end of this, but like, I don't, it's still keeping me hooked, even though I don't pay attention to that, the pilot where and we, we should specify, we recorded this before we saw the season finale. So at this point we don't know who died. Yes. Well, speaking of spoilers, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll get into some of the craziest moments that have happened on the show so far and why people are talking about it. Okay, well, speaking of some of the craziest moments that happened, I know for me, when 
Shane's mom, aka Molly Shannon, showed up to her son's honeymoon, which she did pay for. So I guess she does have a few right to be there. But when she shows up, it really gives you a full picture of why he is as awful as he is because, well, he gets it from his mama. Oh my God, look at her face. Rachel, you were such a beautiful bride, but also very pale. But now you have a little more color and it looks great. I just, it was really nice to see Molly Shannon in this role because she really encompasses like what it is to be this like overbearing mother-in-law that just keeps making these awful comments to Alexandra Daddario's character constantly. And she's like, just be happy. You have a rich husband, just be happy. Like, why would you want to work? Oh no, honey, you don't need to do that. And it's like, everything is so over the top and you know, the way that it's been just with Jake Lacey's character also. But to me, that was like the cra one of the craziest moments because that's when you can really see Alexandria Daddario's character like starting to fully tweak where she's like, okay, I have made a huge mistake and I need to get out of here. Well, I take solace in knowing that based on the first five minutes, it's implied that they are not together anymore. Yeah. yeah. So whether or not she's dead is another question that we currently don't have the answer to. Um. There was also, I mean, the one of the really craziest moments is when the manager of the hotel is all hopped up on drugs and is totally going on a bender, and he propositions his young employee and just lays his cards out on the table and is like, I think you're hot, and I want to hook up with you. I am using PG words. And then... <laughs> they are caught in a highly sexual act that you don't typically see on TV, although I have now seen three different times on HBO, which is interesting. Um, HBO loves to push that envelope. What can they show us? That's basically just just cutting it off where it's not porn at that point. No, and um, Lucas Gage, the actor who is the young participant with Murray, Murray Bartlett's character. When he promoted this episode on Instagram, just posted, watch my ass on the White Lotus tonight. And it was di very difficult not to. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was very difficult not to. Lucas Gage also is, um, I don't know if you remember, like during the pandemic, he was one of the actors. He posted on Instagram, you know, this director, he was he was auditioning for a role via Zoom as we were all living our lives and much of us still are. Um, and this director made a comment about his, you know, small apartment. And he's like, oh, my God, look at those actors. Look at these actors just in these tiny little apartments. People live in these tiny apartments. Like I'm looking at his, you know, background and he's got his TV and, and you know. Yeah, mute it. I know apartment. That's why give me this job so I can get a better one. All right. And he was not muted. And Lucas Gage posted, yeah, Lucas Gage posted it on his Instagram, and a lot of celebrities came out, not in his defense, but I guess just in support of, you know, like that's fucked up and it's shitty. And the director apologized. He ousted himself. Nobody else did. Tristram Shapiro. He has done a bunch of things. He kind of, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but had obviously a horrible slip up there during the pandemic. So. Good for Lucas well, Gage. He's on an HBO show, so he's doing fine. Well, apparently he didn't get that role, but that allowed him to appear on The White Lotus. So, yes, it's worked out for him. I just thought HBO was just plucking people from within their HBO family. So they just like went over to Euphoria and grabbed Sydney Sweeney. And it's like, you will do. You will do. Exactly. Um, one of my favorite ongoing plot lines of this show is Jay Glazy's character um, fighting with the manager. 
about which suite he's supposed to have. He is obviously at this like really fancy, you know, resort hotel in Hawaii and yet keeps finding reasons to complain. (laughs) And you can tell that his wife is starting to have a very hard time with it. And he has not let it go. And we are now, I am now five episodes in and it is still a point of contention between him and the hotel manager. And it's also funny on the other side because the hotel manager knows he fucked up but won't admit it. So he's sort of gaslighting Jake Lacey's character throughout the entire season so far, which has been just this like ongoing underlying thing of like tension just adds to the episodes as well. I have to say, as much as Jake Lacey annoys me on this show, he's right in this situation. He is. I have to. Like he did. Like if I went to a hotel and I had paid for, first of all, a plunge pool. I mean, if I paid for a plunge pool and there was no plunge pool, like I don't care how privileged I am. If I paid for something and it's not there, I would be annoyed. And I would yell at the manager. I mean, I wouldn't, but I would make someone else do it. Yeah, we would. We would make Allie. Uh, I also just keep thinking about, I keep thinking about like, if I was on vacation with my dad and something like this happened, my dad is not an asshole and my dad would not go about it in the same way as Jake Lacey would, but my dad definitely personally would not be able to let it go the whole entire in the way that Jake Lacey is annoying his wife the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. I love my dad, but this is the kind of thing that would ruin his entire vacation for sure. I do, but I do feel like he, he went about it pretty fine to me like i feel like at, there's a certain point where he was clearly being gaslit and that's where i think something officially tweaked in him where he was like no i'm never letting this go but i get it a plunge pool a private pool in a hotel room is a big deal and the fact that the manager keeps being like we have 17 different pools and it's like well i want one in my fucking balcony and i don't have it so. no and he did gaslight him he ruined that romantic he set him up for failure by putting him on that <laughs> boat. I mean, he gave him the wrong number. He lied to him and told him that they didn't pay for the room. I mean, he definitely there's there's real power plays happening there. So as yes, I find um the character of Shane to be very obnoxious in the way he interacts with everyone else, but in this case, I will give it to him. All right. Well, outside of all of the insane plot lines and storylines that are happening, there's a lot of conversation happening about the actual show and you know the casting HBO isn't the most, you know, diverse place when it comes to shows a lot of the times. And this cast, unfortunately, reflects that. And I think a lot of people have had criticisms of how white the cast is and sort of HBO's obsession with kind of covering overly privileged, the overly privileged often. Right. I think it's less about the casting because I think... The, the point is that they're supposed to be rich white people. Like, I don't think it makes sense if they're not, you know, rich white people. Um, but I think it's more about the fact that how many shows about miserable, which rich white people do we need? Like, I think it's more about like, let's tell different stories and also right. cast them differently. But I think, um, you know, because of the conversations about racism and classism i think that's why um the cast is predominantly white and then they have these conversations about exploiting the you know the luau dance the luau dancers and the people who work there and that like the um the staff of the hotel is not rich white people i think the dichotomy is that most of the people who are staying at the hotel are white whereas the people who work at the hotel are more representative in various ways. Yeah. Yes. It definitely leans into the same themes that I think or the same areas that like big little lies and succession and the undoing kind of like also fell short, right? 
where we saw representation happening in places where it's unfortunately it always is it's not, nothing like out of the box you know it's not really thinking outside the box which i think is the same criticism that this show is also facing once again and yet we love to watch it we can't help it we love rich white people what and they them? renewed it for a second season which was surprising to me because this feels like such a very limited series almost to the point where I am concerned about what a second season would be like with a different cast. I mean, they're kind of going for that anthology model and a different yeah. location. It's not going to be at this White Lotus. It'll be at some other White Lotus, allegedly. Yeah. But H I don't know. I feel that could cheapen it, even though I, you know, Mike White's writing and, you know, creative vision on this has been pretty brilliant. But we have to be careful with stuff like this because remember what happened with True Detective? No, we're Big Little Lies season two. Really, <laughs> Big Little Lies. I felt like at least with the same cast, True Detective. They were like, "We're going to redo this amazing thing and with all new people." And then it was just like, "What am I watching?" And like, some people love the third season. I never made it to it. No, after that second season, I felt personally victimized. So I'm never revisiting True Detective. But good for the people that made it to season three. Um, all right, well, let's wrap up. And when we get back, Becky, I have a burning question for you. All right, Becky, are you ready for your burning question? I guess so. Congratulations. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rude. How dare you? That's my line. <laughs> okay, but the burning question this time is going to be a little bit different. It's a multiple choice one for you. They're always mm -hmm. multiple choice. Are they? Yeah. Do, you do, let's, do you forget the multiple choice cribs question? I never. Oh, yes. I never. I don't like giving you too many options. Um, okay. What animal did Lynn Spears ask her fans to stop comparing Jer Janie Lynn Spears to? Wait, I'm sorry. It's a quiz? Yeah, it's a quiz. Do you want to listen oh, to the whole question? I wasn't prepared for a test. Well, well, here you go. I hope you did your homework. Wow, I really wasn't expecting this. What animal did Lynn Spears ask her fans to stop comparing Jamie Lynn Spears to after she posted it on her Instagram? Was it A, a lizard, B, a spider, or C, a turtle? I'm going to go with lizard. Wrong. It was a spider. She posted a huge spider web cob thing outside of her house. And then all the fans were like, oh, my God, look what Jamie left. <laughs> and she was like, Did you say a spider me? web cob thing? Yeah. A, a cobweb? A cobweb. <laughs> Jamie Lynn, oh, Lynn, cob. Lynn Spears was like, stop saying that. So the fans were like, oh, my God. Jamie Lynn left you a present because she's a spider. <laughs> Well, that's weird. Then she turned off her comments. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I read it like last week. I don't I don't know what to do with that. I'm like, what song? I was going to play a song from Moana because I was thinking about Hawaii. Like, and now it's... The, the Beach Boys. Kokomo. Aruba, Jamaica. Yeah, Where? that's on Hawaii. No. DJ played Malakaliki Maka because it's only four months to Christmas and I need to listen to that to cleanse the thoughts of a new Home Alone coming out. Malakaliki Maka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Not Over That's It is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Felt. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening.